Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. And welcome to the Farcast. I am indeed Michael Farr, and we are so glad that you are here to join us again this week for another edition of the Farcast. You know, at the Farcast, we believe that money is hard to make, that old-fashioned research, hard work, discipline, and patience are the keys to successful investing. We have these fundamental tenets that help us get through all of the noise about investing and certainly all of the noise from Wall Street. Well, there's been a lot of it, so welcome, and we're going to uh, have three, of course, different segments tonight, as we always do. We get to talk to my very dear friend and the expert's expert, Kenny Polkari, in the first section. We're going to be talking about what happened in Wall Street. It's just been going up on the tear. We're going to mention a little bit about oil and Bitcoin. We're going to talk about what it means that we have a new tax bill. And then we're going to get to our uh, Washington insider section with Matt Leffingwell, uh, going to explain to us how this tax bill, which, by the way, I believe Leffingwell said would not happen. No how, no way, no ma'am, no sir, not going to happen. Seems to be happening. Uh, and how it's all happened, it may be that Leffingwell was out of town for a while and, <laughs> and, it's, gonna, and it's gotten to sneak through. But And then we are so excited this week to have uh, you talk about an expert. Congressman John Porter uh, is going to be with us tonight. Uh, he represented the 3rd uh, Congressional District of Nevada. He, he, he was a uh, three-term um, member of Congress. We're going to get some fabulous insights on what's going on in Capitol Hill, what's going on inside the White House, what that political divisiveness feels like when you're really in there elbowing your way up to the buffet of uh, policymaking and uh, being a legislator on Capitol Hill. So first, foremost, let's take a look at the week. It was uh, it was a bit of an off day uh, for stocks, just a little. I gave back a little bit as the first vote on this tax bill went through Congress, hasn't gone through the Senate yet, looks like it will overnight, but we're going to ask our experts about that. Uh, Treasury spreads, Kenny and I have been talking about Treasury spreads, two-year Treasury at 1.85, the 10-year Treasury at 2.45, those yields have gone up. In fact, it was the biggest two-day move of the year, move higher in Treasury yields. It's still... 60 basis points, six-tenths of 1% difference. You get paid six-tenths of 1% more if you invest for 10 years, give the government your money for 10 years, than if you give your money to the government for two years. They'll pay you six-tenths of a percent more. That's not very much. It doesn't sound like much, and it shouldn't. Normally, that's close to, uh, historically, that's almost two full percentage points. Old guys, uh, like Kenny and, and me would say, would tell you, well, Kenny's older, but we would tell you that, you know, 60 basis points is nothing and that's a very flat yield curve. So welcome to the uh, my great friend, managing director from O'Neill Securities and the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, Kenny Polkari. Kenny, thank you so much for being back with us this week. Always a pleasure, Michael. I love being on this for, uh, forecast with you. It, it, well, we love having you. We couldn't do it without you, and, and we actually we tried, Kenny, and and it's and it it it, it kind of sucked. So, it falls on its face, right? When I'm not on, it it really does, and it's and it's mostly I think your good looks that carry this podcast. Um, wow, people, <laughs> people, if they could only see me, if they, <laughs> all they need to do is turn into tune into CNBC, they get to see. So, Kenny. Tell us what you've seen this week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, 24,750. S&P 500, 2680. NASDAQ. NASDAQ actually pickled above 7,000. What's this mean? What's going on? Well, listen, and, and you saw that with yesterday's action, right, where NASDAQ pickled above 7,000 and the S&P kissed 2,700 uh, and, the, and the Dow continued to rally, all once again in anticipation of everything that's happening in D.C. It's, the market is really ignoring, you know, whatever eco data comes out this week, uh, yesterday, today, whether it's housing starts or building permits, it was, it's been ignoring that. It's been, it's been keenly focused on uh, D.C. And so yesterday we had the rally because there was still a conversation about, you know, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So you have this buy the rumor, sell the trade type of mentality. And so what happened today? It was sell the trade mentality because the first half of this 
uh, tax deal actually got passed by the House today. All well and good. But now what you're having is you're having investors say, okay, now it looks like tomorrow it's going to pass in the Senate. So therefore, then it's just a matter of hours before it gets delivered with all the pomp and circumstance down to the Oval Office. And so therefore, all the trader types that bought the market ahead of this event are now taking the profits as the event starts to unfold. No one should be surprised by that. It's not really a change in psychology from long-term asset managers. It's very much a, a trader-driven market, and that's exactly kind of what you saw happen today. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see it happen again tomorrow when the Senate votes. And, and if the Senate votes and if it passes, which I think the market expects it will, and investors suspect it will, I wouldn't be surprised either if you saw the market kind of back off again tomorrow. Now, listen, it backed off seven points today on the S&P. Nothing for anybody to be worried about at all. That, that It's a tiny fraction of a percent move. Right, I mean, it's like three-tenths of one percent, right? right? So, so absolutely. So when you say the market backed off today, yeah, you know, it took a breather, right? The trader types took some money out of the market, and they knocked it a little bit lower. It wasn't off a percent or two percent or three percent. That would be a very different move, and that's not a move at all that I'm suggesting is going to happen. But so I, you're not, Are you worried? I'm not worried right now. I am worried, I think, come into the new year, because now we're at the very end of the year. The market's trading at all-time highs. You're not going to get anyone that's going to change their, psycho- their psych- the psychology right now. They're going to let it ride till the end of the year. I think then what happens in January is you're going to have people that take a look at this tax plan. They're going to see what the real implications are down the line, what maybe some of the unintended consequences are going to be down the line, who stands to benefit, who doesn't stand to benefit. I think you're going to see money then come out of some of the high-flying, high-performing sectors, whether it's tech, it's biotech, and going to be uh, are going to be reallocated into value stocks. And you've already seen that happen. Value stocks have all of a sudden lifted their heads. They've been lagging the market all year. Now they're starting to lift their heads as money starts to go there. So what I think is you'll see more volatility in the new year. I don't necessarily think you're going to see the market crash by any stretch. But don't be surprised if you see money come out of some of the, the high-flying tech names and be reallocated. It doesn't mean that asset managers are, okay, are so- liquidating their positions completely. It just means they're peeling some off. Okay, so let me, you, you've said about five things that are really, really important. So th- this is great stuff tonight. But first, you said, you, you quoted one of Wall Street's most famous rules, which is uh, buy the rumor and sell the news. So today, Wall Street, you said sell the it's trade, but, you know, other people said we, who aren't on the floor of the exchange, we say sell the news. So right. the news gets sold today. There seems to be this question, second point of, now traders are looking to Washington, and you know, Kudlow got really mad at me when I was on his show because I would say, uh, after 2008, I said, forget New York is the world's financial capital. Washington, D.C. is right. the financial capital of the world. You know, learn to live with it, Larry. He, he hated it when I would say that. But yeah. uh, it, it really is. And so it seems to me that the traders anyway are looking at Washington saying, what else have you got? That's exactly That's right. over. That's exactly right. right. The trader types, and trust me, there are a lot of trader types in the market. Quite honestly, I would I would tell you the last couple of months has been much more a trading market and, and a market dominated by traders than it has been by large vanilla asset managers. And when I say vanilla asset managers, you I'm talking me. about the, well, I'm talking <laughs> about the guys that are disciplined and they're long stock and they're long term investors. They're not day trading. They're not flipping stocks every every hour, every 10 minutes, or every 10 seconds. They're buying and holding, and they're in for the long term. So you call those guys the big plain vanilla guys. It's not a it's not a it's not a negative at all. It's just the core of the market. Those long term asset managers. I'm very proud of it. You know, I've got to take care of people's of people's money and assets and well being and future. I mean, plain vanilla is just fine. And in fact, I get hired because I'm plain vanilla. You know? Absolutely, There's, and I, that's what I mean. It's not a it's not a negative at all. It's a complete compliment. I tell people I am your mother's money manager. I mean, you want to talk about not sexy. I'm your mother's money manager. Okay, you said, okay, here's the other important thing you said, and you probably yourself were even surprised to think that I'm telling you you've said three or four important things all within about 10 minutes. I mean, when does that happen? But you have. So we're going to give you credit tonight. You said that there's a shift to value stocks, but value stocks can mean a couple of different things. You know, so what do you mean when you say value stocks? I mean, are you talking about just the solid balance sheets and don't worry about where the price is because this value is going to evolve? Or are you talking more about the kind of blue chip solid balance sheets that still might have some earnings growth? But you you know what I mean? I mean, it's not. uh, Listen, in this case, I actually think you can talk about both those sectors or both those kind of definitions, right? Certainly, 
big blue chip Americana names because if the market gets volatile, if the market should come under pressure in the first quarter of next year, because look, you got the whole Fed thing going on again, you got the change of leadership there, change of policy, so that's concerning the market. You've got this tax plan and the tax policy, and what's it really mean? So that could be concerning to the market. So if you see the market back off, you're going to see money go into those big Americana blue chip names that should do better in a declining market, right? So they're really value-type things. You know the, you know the names. It's GE, it's Coca-Cola, it's Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson. It's big Americana blue chip. And then okay. on the other side, you've got value stocks that have just underperformed, right? Because they haven't been sexy. They haven't been the big growth thing. They're kind of big. Uh, they're a little bit lethargic, but they've got solid businesses, and, they're, and they haven't performed well. But yet again, if the market should come under pressure, people get nervous, they're going to put their money in value. They're going to put it where they feel that it's safer, right? Right. So do you know what I did tonight? You're going to be so excited when I tell you what I did tonight. Just before you came on, we recorded our year-end uh, forecast where uh-huh. I go over my top 10 stocks for 2018. The top stars, top 10 for the 20th. And, you know, you're going to want to listen to this uh, because everybody's going to really everybody's going to want to listen to the top 10 stock. But as you look at markets, Kenny, and we've looked back over the past couple of weeks, when you see the days where the Dow Jones Industrial Average is, say, up 1%, and then the S&P 500, let's say, is up uh, half, half half a percent, and the NASDAQ is up 0.15%. Yep. That's what you're talking about, right? It's the out of the NASDAQ racing names and into the Dow solid uh, names, right? The Dow, the Dow 30, right? So look at any name in the Dow 30. They are big Americana blue chip solid company names. And so that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that really, to me, is kind of a risk-off trade. The risk-on trade is when right. you see the opposite. Risk-on right. trade in this market means NASDAQ's a lot higher than the S&P, which is a lot higher than the Dow. Yes? Right. And, and yes. And, and actually, if you look at this here, the NASDAQ, I think, is returning right now. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing I'm probably right, about right 27%. I think it is year to date. It's for, huge. Yeah, yeah, the S&P, I think, is at 21%, and the Dow's at, what, 23%? If you yeah. add in dividends to the Dow and the S&P, maybe you're, you know, add another three or four percentage points on that. So it might be even, but the NASDAQ has been the better performer all year because it's the growth things, right? It's those big, sexy tech names and biotech names. But listen, we've all seen how quick that can turn, right? The minute that people get nervous, they take their money right out of those high-flying tech names and they put it right into the value. Okay, so, yeah, so times make Johnson & Johnson look uh, look a little almost sexier maybe at some right. points for some investors than, than, than uh, Netflix anyway. Absolutely. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a couple more questions, Kenny. The are you concerned about this flat yield curve and these rates going higher? Does that mean anything to you? Well, I'm not necessarily concerned about rates going higher because rates are going to go higher. It's just a matter of whether or not that spread widens or, or compresses, right? If it compresses and it gets flatter and flatter, then I'd be more concerned. If it widens and goes back to what would be a normal yield spread and you, and you hit the nail on the head, what do you say, two, two and a quarter percent, I think, is yeah. more normal. If you, yeah. see the, if you see the yield, the spread in those yields return to that, to, to that level, no, then I'd actually it would make me feel nice and comfortable. If it gets more compressed, though, then I would be concerned about what that really says, right? Because in an, an inverted yield curve, when the long range, when the long end actually pays you less than the than the short range, is typically uh, a precursor to a coming recession, right? It's happened the last uh, the last seven or ten times. It's nine out of curve. thirteen. Nine, nine out, out of thirteen. thirteen. Uh, yep, yeah, we've we've, uh, we've had recession. Yep. It's been a, it's been a precursor. So I would be a little bit concerned if you saw uh, the compression in those yields continue to continue to right, if you saw the yields continue to compress. Okay. Um, so you're saying what we're saying is we're going to watch that difference between the two year yield and the ten year yield. Right now it's six tenths of a percent. If that got to five tenths or four tenths or three tenths, all of a sudden. Yeah. Far and Paul Perry are nervous, right? Right. Well, because it because then you get closer to the signal, right? To the to the, to the tipping point where you go from growth to recession. Yeah. Okay. So now Apple got a downgrade today. Somebody was bold enough, was was blasphemous enough, blasphemy to downgrade Apple. What, what I mean is is that uh, should we care about that, Kenny? What does that no. mean? I, I well, no. Just I'm not know. even sure. No, I'm not even sure. care about it. Who, who downgraded Apple? I'm not even sure who downgraded it. But it was, it was a fairly big one this morning. I can't remember who it was. Sorry, that yeah, was I'm me. Not so sh- 
I'm not, listen, Apple's going to continue <laughs> to change the world. Now, Apple's had a great year, right? It's had great performance, but we're right, there, you know, we're right at the end of the fourth quarter. Apple, I'm sure, is going to report blowout numbers again come, come uh, earnings season when it starts in, uh, in uh, January. And so, and so I, I, I think he's probably trying to get out in front of the crowd a little bit and thinking that maybe as we get, come into the beginning of the new year, Apple typically will be a The first quarter will end up typically being a quiet quarter for Apple versus the fourth quarter of the year when it's all holiday shopping and Christmas shopping and they report these blowout numbers. So I'm not concerned about it at all. I think weakness in Apple provides an opportunity because I think Apple is one of those big blue chip Americana stocks that, you know, should be, should have a place in everyone's portfolio. No, Nomura, uh, Nomura Securities uh, was the uh, it gave him the downgrade, and Kramer said Kramer came out and said, I, "I can't believe they listened to the earnings call and could downgrade that stock." Okay, so that was downgrading. I saw. Listen, this was stunning today. I don't know if you saw this, Kenny. Seventy-five percent of U.S. online consumers shop at Amazon most of the time. Yep, you believe that? Seventy-five percent. I'm absolutely not surprised by that at all. Look what's happened to brick and mortar. You can see it. You can, uh, listen, there's not a time. I, I don't go shopping anymore unless I'm going food shopping because I love to go food shopping because you know me, I like to cook. So I love to go food shopping. But if I'm going to buy anything else, I, Amazon's my first choice. I sit at my computer. I do point and click. It gets delivered to my house in 24 hours. I don't have to go anywhere. Right? When am I, so coming, to your house, when am I coming to your house for dinner? You come whenever you want. It's an open huh? invitation. But, you know, listen. This Christmas you heard it here, folks. I'm going to need witnesses because I get near his house and the security guard comes. Yeah. Look, first there's this really long driveway, and then there are these gates, and there's a security no, guard right. to get up to Kenny Polcari's house. You, you can hardly get close to the place. It goes on for miles. It, it's, the White House, the White House you it looks like mind? the White House, only it's a little, it's a little bigger than the White House, actually. No. So, Kenny. Kenny, I think coming into year-end, is there anything that you're going to be watching or thinking about doing coming into year-end? No, I, I, I don't. The only thing that I'm going to be watching is, is the as we dissect now what the implications are of this tax plan. I mean, kind of on the surface, we know, we've heard it, we've seen it, but it's going to go deeper than that. And as they start to really dissect it, then you're going to start to see kind of where some of the implications are, maybe unintended Things, things that people hadn't realized or hadn't thought about, or maybe what some of the unintended. What do you think? What do you think Wall Street? What do you think Wall Street wants to hear next out of Washington? What's what's going to be the new shiny car keys? Oh, well, I think that Trump is already talking about announcing his big fiscal plan come the new year, and I think people are going to look for this big, massive American infrastructure project uh, projects as we rebuild America and make it great again. I think that's what they're waiting to to hear. And if they are, I think industrial names and infrastructure type stocks are going to be huge beneficiaries if, in fact, he announces it and gets it done. Can't wait to hear from Congressman John Porter coming up in our uh, in another segment here on the forecast exactly what he thinks about an infrastructure bill and what it's going to take to get another bill through this Congress where all these guys keep fighting with each other. Listen, we're at the end of this. I'm out of time, but uh, Kenny Polcari, uh, the pros pro, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, to all of our listeners, please hang with us. We're going to come right back on the Farcast. I'm Michael Farr. You're listening to Farcast. This portion of the Farcast is brought to you by Farr, Miller, and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farmiller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast. And welcome back to the Farcast. What's Fabulous music there. Our producer, Boris, has found a new tune for us tonight. What's that one, Boris? Oh, this is uh, an old classic hit from the 70s. Name of song is called Save My Spot in Breadline, Please. <laughs> Save, <laughs> Save My Spot in Breadline, Please. Is that uh, so that's kind of uh, retro there in Moscow, is it? Yes, yes, the kids like to enjoy the hits from the 70s and 60s. Really, fifties, forties as well for Redline. <laughs> they, they, they enjoy whatever hits they're told to enjoy, don't they? That is very true. Yes, yes. Very good. Well, welcome back to the Farcast, where we believe that money is hard to make, and that old-fashioned research, hard work, and discipline, patience are the keys to successful investing. We try every week on the Farcast to try and interpret Washington 
for Wall Street and Wall Street to where we can for Washington. We're joined every week by our wonderful political analyst, Matt Leffingwell, who ran the House Appropriations Committee and several other committees that I stumble into and make up from time to time. But he is an insider's uh, insider. Uh, Matt, we're so glad you're with us again this week. We know that we've got uh, uh, Congressman Porter coming up, uh, which is just really, really exciting. So, Matt, let's go. The tax plan uh, passed 227 to 203, and they screwed something up in the vote. What happened? Tell us about it. And tell us what's going on with, with Washington this week. Well, this has been a little overblown. I mean, this is just a small a small procedural motion that uh, that uh, that was subject to what's called a point of order in the Senate, which just requires minor, minor technical tr- uh, changes to the legislation. It means that the House will have to re-vote on the legislation after the Senate makes the corrections in the legislation. But... But, yes, I'm eating a little bit of crow this evening, and, uh, uh, yeah, I do believe that the bill will pass either later tonight or early tomorrow morning, and we'll head to the president's desk for a signature. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. Michael, <laughs> Michael, this is Congressman yes. Porter. Can I pick on your buddy, Mr. Leffingwell, for a moment? Congressman Porter, welcome. We're so glad that you're, that you're here. I've got a very lovely introduction for you, but please, come right in. Well, Let's you know, I, I was listening to Matt, who predicted this tax bill will not pass. Well, you know, he predicted... I would win my last race, and I lost. So uh, does he have a license to give this advice, or how does it work for you, Michael? You know, all we can hope for now, Congressman, is that he predicts that we both go bankrupt and die soon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's really, we, 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 we need to make sure we're on the right side of his advice. I well, I, I, now, he, he was my campaign manager, so what does that tell you? <laughs> All right, back to my segment. <laughs> but very, you know, uh, well, you must have had a, a very entertaining campaign, anyway. <laughs> That's for another show. But it, but it feels a, you know going back to just to put a book in on the tax section of this. I mean, it does feel a little bit like the Kremlin is uh, is interfering with our political process because all of a sudden there's been one, you know some glimmer of functionality with both chambers of Congress at the end of the year. Don't um, look at me. I have nothing to do with this, <laughs> Boris. But but no, I did. I I'm very surprised. I'm very um, you know this is a this is a win that uh, both the administration and the Republican controlled Congress needed going into uh, 2018, which is you know already an election year for uh, for you know everyone, and uh, you know a lot of seats up for the Senate for the Democrats and the Republicans need some sort of win to be competitive. And in the House, of course, everybody's up every two years, so everybody will be running for re-election. A lot of retirements. Uh, okay, so so let me. Okay, I'm I'm interrupting now because I'm I'm, I'm starting to snooze, snooze off here. <laughs> tell me, t- tell me what what happened uh, between the last couple of weeks? Because in the past couple of weeks, you've said this is too dysfunctional. There are too many details. It's too complicated sure. to pass a bill. They've got too many outliers. Not going to happen. What happened in Washington that let these guys? somehow start singing kumbaya enough to get this done i think part of it i think what what, i think part of it is just absolute fear of what the consequences are of not producing something going into next year and that is something that that uh you know both both parties in congress have been um you know has not been persuasive enough until now in order to produce results so here we have you know end of year right before christmas they still have to pass an end year spending bill uh, which looks like they're going to kick the can down the road. However, they, you know, the Republicans have been uh, without any sort of victory for the administration and for their own, you know, for the protection of their own seats in Congress going into what is an election year. And Trump really, you know, look, you think back to Obama. I mean, he had a number of big, you know, big tagged uh, pieces of legislation that he was able to accomplish early in his presidential his uh, his administration. But now you're you're looking at. You know, this is a last ditch, last ditch effort to get something done before you go. You go into 2018. Okay, so now uh, we've gotten this done, uh, and you said it was really uh, a higher degree of desperation than you thought we might see. I guess is absolutely, what really did yeah. That. That's a, that's absolutely uh, right. Yeah, if I can add something, Michael, I, Matt's correct on this one. Uh, <laughs> but we also the the Republicans had a major defeat in Alabama uh, in the last week. Uh, there's numerous scandals now that are, are burning uh, fires. 
Uh, you do have a, a Congress and a Senate that does feel they have to pass them. Matt's absolutely correct. It's it, it's crisis time. They need to show the American people. I'll, I'll, I'll get your tab at the bar after this. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, so, okay, so let me ask you both. Should we be encouraged now that uh, uh, Senator Schumer and uh, Congressman Pelosi are now going to be a, a little more cooperative going forward, that somehow we're going to find a path together to uh, build consensus? Absolutely not. This- <laughs> no, and what, you said earlier, Michael, it's buy the rumors, sell the news. Uh, same thing on, yeah. <laughs> on Capitol Hill. Uh, the, the challenge is, you know, is they, they can't allow the other party to have a, a score. They can't allow the other party to have a win. So their, their rhetoric is always the sky is falling. So I, I don't think you're going to see cooperation um, and it, with technology and, and with social media and driving messages. Unfortunately, I don't see it getting any better. It's going to get worse. Uh, so my friend Greg Valliere says that he thinks we could have an extended government shutdown starting in the first of the year, that Schumer's going to dig in his heels and he has nothing to lose. Does that make sense? I disagree. Coming from the appropriations background, I just disagree with that. I, I think it's been proven time and time again. I think that you know government shutdowns don't benefit either party. You know, at the end of the day, regardless if you're a Republican district or, or a Democrat district, if your your day to day life is being interrupted by a government shutdown, you're going to be angry at that. Those who are closest to you in, in elected government, and that is your your member of Congress or your senator. So, I, what, I, what advantage would it serve? What advantage would it serve? Uh, for Senator Schumer to basically play chicken to that degree. How, how could he leverage that uh, into making, I guess, would he be doing that to make the Republicans look bad? And doesn't he want an infrastructure bill? And doesn't he want to increase defense spending? I don't, th- I don't think it's about, I don't think it's about, uh, I don't think it's about um, uh, an infrastructure bill per se. I think it's about getting Democrat wins into an end year spending bill, which is going to be punted into early 2018. He wants to get victories for his members of, of his caucus, where they have a number of Democrat seats, especially in the Senate, that they're going to need to protect. They need to put out their own press releases in order to get Democrat wins. And they'll Congressman, kick, is that yeah, right? Yeah, they'll kick the can into January. But it, it's back to the basics that you, the, the law of politics in today's environment is you can't let the other guys win. And that's the problem with Washington right now. How did they how did they win this time, Congressman? How did the Republicans win this? Well, let's go back to Obamacare for a second. Matt mentioned successes uh, in the former president. I'll do respect. Back then there were earmarks. uh, So uh, the, the White House and leadership could could trade with members to get votes. The challenge today, there aren't a whole lot of things that can happen to to entice someone to vote. But in the final hours, you had Senator Rubio that uh, was looking for additional funds for, for kids and families, and they were able to bring the votes around. Uh, but I also think, you know, uh, uh, bless uh, Senator McCain, and we, we send our prayers to him right now. It's a very difficult time. Uh, he's uh, not in Washington. He's at home uh, recovering. And, uh, again, what's happened in Alabama. So everyone right now feels I have to pass something, but you're not going to see any more cooperation after January 19th. And we do. Let's do it. Let's stop and reiterate our prayers and best wishes for Senator McCain. Uh, it, it is hard to even imagine or conceive of a greater American, a greater patriot, a greater hero who more faithfully served this country at absolutely every turn with America first. So, Senator, if you're listening and I got to know Senator McCain was very fond of and, and, and very fond of him um, and look forward to his uh, near recovery here. I hope he recovers and feels better here soon. So, Amen uh, to that, Michael. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, uh, terrific, terrific uh, American. Just just a great, great American. Um, so uh, now, tell me a, a little bit of the technical side of this, would you guys, please? We've got this thing through uh, the House. How does this get through the Senate? When does it go to the president? And does it get amended? Does it get changed? Is this the deal? And, and, and do we go forward with this and, and, and no more discussion of this and we're on to the next thing? How does this work? Yeah, this is the deal. I mean, the, the legislation is going to go to the Senate where there have been two very minor technical errors that were made by the, by, uh, the, the House that will be corrected by the Senate. It just means that the House has to vote on those legislation one more time in order for it to be complete. 
there was some question where there, when there was going to be an actual signing ceremony, which is largely, you know, an, you know, uh, an opportunity for, you know, the president and Republican-controlled Congress to tout their success publicly. Uh, there were some rumors about that uh, being held in Mar-a-Lago today, where the president will be, you know, vacationing for the, for the uh, Christmas holiday. But we'll, there are going to be no more significant changes made to the legislation in the coming days. I mean, the, what the deal, the deal that was struck is the deal that was struck, and that is in the legislative text. And if there are going to be minor, you know, uh, you know, changes made, it's not going to be uh, be anything worth, uh, you know, worth a news story. I mean, the Democrats. Okay. Are, anyway, so that's that's it. I mean, this is it. This is the deal. Is there any chance that there's any trouble with this? Uh Bird rule objections, this procedural no. problem they had. No, no, no. That's no. That, that's the technical correction I'm re- referring to. I mean, these are these are very minor minor issues, and they just like to get blown up by the Democrats and by you know by the media at this point. Okay, so we're going to blow right through this, and we're going to yeah, absolutely, do this. absolutely, right. yep. Okay, so now I want to I, I, I want to shift a little bit and talk about the agenda for 2018 for Congress, and we're going to do that when we come back on our next section of the forecast. This is this is a night that we're going to remember because we're able to talk about this tax bill that's passing where we've had new highs on Wall Street. Kenny Polcari telling us we're going to have a correction in the first quarter in stock markets in 2018. Farr is telling you about his 10 stocks that he's going to that that, that I always do every year uh, for my list for 2018, my top 10 stocks. Um, But as we come back on the forecast, as we're coming right up to a break here. We are joined and so honored to be joined by Congressman John C. Porter, represented the 3rd Congressional District of Nevada. Don't get excited. That was a little south of Vegas. It wasn't Vegas. He could get to Vegas, but it was a little (laughs) south. Yeah, but you pronounced Nevada right, Michael. Good job. (laughs) Thank you very much. And uh, and they had a balance. This This is an important congressman because in his district, there was a very even balance of Republicans and Democrats, it wasn't really a blue or red district that he had to negotiate. And so he has some real expertise. We're going to talk about how to negotiate bipartisanship in uh, 2018. When we come back, please stay with us on the Farcast. You're listening to Farcast. This portion of the Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farmiller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast. Boy, you just want to put on your dancing shoes when you hear these fabulous tunes that our uh, producer Boris has picked for us every week. Boris, what's that one called? Yes, this is a new hit out just this week. It's called Leffingwell Got It Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Leffingwell Got It Wrong. That is, that is very catchy. It kind of rolls, trips off the tongue, doesn't it's it? It's how ironic it is that's making it so popular. <laughs> it, it is, it is, is it popular, Boris, in Moscow? I mean, are the young people just singing Leffingwell Got It Wrong? It's in Moscow, in Minsk, in Volgograd, <laughs> wherever there are songs to sing. This is the song they sing. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's very catchy. I, I, I like the way it sounds. It has a ring to it, doesn't it? All right. Well, welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. We are so grateful uh, that you have joined us again, and we're back. Uh, for our third and final segment, uh, our wonderful political uh, analyst, Matt Leffingwell, is with us, telling us how it all happens on Capitol Hill, in the halls of power, and as a special guest, a very honored guest, we have uh, retired congressman uh, from the 3rd District of, of uh, Nevada, uh, Congressman John Porter, uh, who now uh, is uh, the CEO of um, uh, of his own firm, really. Uh, so uh, a consulting firm in Washington, D.C. But you have to know about this guy because he uh, has spent, had 30 years of experience in business and public policy and politics. He built and ran a multi-million dollar insurance business. He was elected to a variety of government and private sector leadership positions. He was a mayor. Uh, so he actually, you know, had to, had to run a uh, city and included 
three terms as United States congressman. So this is one of these guys who understands the pressures and challenges of running a business and at the same time possesses a sharp uh, political instinct based on many years of office. So this is not just one of these academics who comes to Washington and wants to start voting and lecturing everybody about how it's supposed to be. This guy really did it. This is the sort of politician I think we are so fortunate to have had on Capitol Hill working on behalf of so many Americans. So first of all, Congressman, thank you very much for being with us, and thank you very much for your service for, to our country. Thank you, Michael, and thanks, uh, Matt Leffingwell, for writing the script for you. But uh, that was very kind. I'm honored to have served the country uh, and to try to make a difference, even to this day. Thank you for mentioning it, Michael. Well, we, 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 we thank you very much, and that is very, very sincere. So one of the things you've had to do, Congressman, and you had to do in the 3rd uh, District was you had to build consensus uh, among pretty much a district that was equally divided uh, between Republicans and Democrats. Now, that's a skill set that we certainly seem to be could use on uh, Capitol Hill these days where people can't seem to do that. Can you tell us how you approach uh, a, a fairly divided uh, uh, electorate? Let's set the stage for today, and I'll, then I'll go back a little bit. So today you have uh, well-meaning members of Congress. Uh, many of them have not had experience or institutional knowledge on government. Some have had their own business. Some may uh, be uh, professional in education or healthcare. But there's not a, a there's not a lot of members that have served in different levels of government. So moving back, um, the best training ground for me. Uh, was that as the mayor of a small town in Nevada, Boulder City, Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas, uh, where as a community we ran as, uh, we didn't run in, as in, in partisan politics. I ran as a city councilman uh, representing the community. So I learned early on the responsibility of finding a way to do the right thing for the right reasons in a small community. Uh, it, today in Washington, I look at it like a huge homeowners association. I don't mean to oversimplify it, but you have 435 members of the House, so you got 100 members of the Senate, 535 people. So take a neighborhood. Our founding fathers created the first homeowners association, and there's just as many good people and bad people in, in a 535 uh, unit complex as there are on Capitol Hill. Most really mean well, uh, but the, the challenge is some are here because of the disruption that they've seen in their families, you know, their, their incomes, their, their small business. They may have lost their business. Some, you know, may have served in local government, but there's so much disruption. There's a lot of folks here that mean well on both sides of the aisle that are, are trying to disrupt business as usual because people are not happy and they're looking for well, solutions. Uh, so tell us about this. I mean, people, I've, I've heard about this, you know, this new phrase, the politics of disruption. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong Washingtonian. I grew up, my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, all from Washington. And politicians, while, you, you know, you always had to keep an eye on them, they, they, tended, to be, they tended to be very friendly people um, focused on the same agenda and would find a way to compromise and work things out for the good of the country. And now we've moved to this age of disruption. How did we get here? How do we work? And how does Congress work through this period of disruption? Well, how did the politics of disruption happen? Well, I, again, part of it, we go back to the, the, my experience in Nevada, my home state, where we experienced massive growth uh, you know, through the years. Uh, we're in the fastest growing states in, in the nation for, for many, many years. But in, uh, I can remember standing on the House floor with Mr. Leffingwell a few feet away as we were watching the uh, Wall Street with the stock market collapse. And a lot of families across the country, again, have not recovered from what happened in 06, 07, and 08. So today what's happened is that we have, you have angry voters and you have a, a Congress that appears to be not accomplishing anything. So when I say the politics of disruption, I think politics have been disrupted. I think families have been disrupted, and I think businesses, and, I, and especially the media. So part of it is, bless the, our folks, the professionals in, in the media, no one knows who to believe anymore. They don't, they don't believe, you know, they have, they have troubles with a, a priest or a rabbi or with their CPA or their attorney. They don't know who to believe. And then you have people running for Congress that are promising to save the world, and then they find that they can't. So 
the answer is, uh, I think one of the biggest problems is currently the lack of civility and lack of uh, appreciation for a difference of opinion. But I do believe they're good people that, uh, it, that constituents should sit down with their members of Congress. They do listen. But how do, you, how do they, I mean, it seems to me that if you lead with animosity and venom, you're not, you, you really can't expect uh, a, a very uh, civil response, can you? Well, and, well said, Michael. And here's the problem. Uh, most members of Congress and the Senate don't really know each other, believe it or not. It's a fairly large campus, Capitol Hill. But in, in, in my era, and it's still happening, I would fly the red eye back from Nevada to Washington, D.C. on Sunday night, spend Mondays uh, trying to meet with constituents. I had to fundraise. And then I'd fly out on Thursday, or sometimes I'd fly in on Tuesday and leave on Thursday. You have probably 30, 20, 30 percent of these members that will sleep on their couch in their offices because it costs to live on the Hill. So one of the problems in the lack of civility, it's really easy to attack an opponent when you don't know them. And when there's not right. a relationship, it's easy to sit and, and send a tweet or to say something. So the, the, this change in delivery of message is causing part of the problem, and, and I think it's being abused. How does this get – how do we get out of this? How does this, how does this get remedied? Well, that's back to the basics. What we have is a voter that is in a uh, – uh, in an echo chamber. So whether you're looking at McDonald's online or you're looking for a stock to, to purchase, you're bombarded, bombarded uh, by that message all the time. So people, currently voters are starting to make their opinion on a, is it 200 characters now? Yeah, yep. <laughs> Twitter, I can't remember, or Facebook. But every time they turn on their Facebook, they get bombarded with, they, they don't like Hillary, they don't like Trump, and that's all they hear. So what's happening, People are voters are making decisions in a, in a, in a, a chamber that they're hearing what they want to hear. And, and so how do we change that? I, tell, I encourage people uh, that when you, when you listen to the, to the media, and I, I, I'm not overgeneralizing, there are really well-respected uh, well members of the media. But you know, to be a, a political uh, expert, you don't have to have a license like you do. Uh, to yes. provide advice. So you have thousands of experts out there that have not been in office, that don't really understand, but in fairness, they believe they do. But what's really important is that somehow we get the message out that there are credible sources of information. But now, historically, I'm not going to bore you, but you know Thomas Jefferson and John Adams hate each other. They created their own fake news, but that's for another time. So fake news has been around for a while. We have to watch this. You know, the, the, so as we look to 2018, and I want to talk a little bit more about you too, Congressman, and, and we are pushing our time a bit, but as we get past this tax bill and we look to an America first agenda from the president and we think about a big infrastructure bill and, and increased defense spending and the issues for DACA and, and that are all, all the noise today, what gets done in 2018 in Washington? What do you think they can actually get done? What does this next year look like? Well, uh, again, not, not unlike your comments of noise from Wall Street, the, the noise from Capitol Hill is equ equally drowning out the facts and reality. Uh, I, I think you have a lot of voters and businesses that have stopped sharing their message with their elected officials. They're turning it off. They're tuning out. They're not paying attention because they don't believe them. I'm a believer that still, again, back to basics, spending a little bit of time with an elected official getting the message, but priorities, you mentioned infrastructure, that will continue to be a priority, but then the question is how do we pay for it? Do we increase the gas tax or do we cut other programs or with the stimulus from the tax bill that's passing currently, will that stimulate Infrastructure is infrastructure highways, byways, or is that also broadband? You have cities changing their approach. So, uh, I, I think number one uh, from the White House is going to be pushing the infrastructure, uh, and, and I think they're going to continue that. But then add to the fact you could have another 20 or 30 members of Congress that won't run again. Uh, we probably are up to 40 now. I can't remember. Matt, you're my expert on numbers, so there could be 70 or 80. We're going into an election year. What are the priorities? And, and come about June of 2018, there's going to be three messages. Uh, I can't tell you what it's going to be today, but there's going to be three. I, but I could guess it's going to be immigration. It's going to be infrastructure. 
So if for something to happen uh, from a political perspective, constructively, it has to happen really in the first half of the year. And I believe that on the momentum, they may be able to do that right now. Okay, so I want to I want to get your call on two questions, and I'm going to really pin you down here. Uh, and we will promise, if you're wrong, we'll blame Leffingwell. Perfect. <laughs> this, this, Perfect. This, this 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 strategy works on the podcast <laughs> week in and week out. So uh, what I'd like to know, the, my my first question is: Is there an infrastructure bill that gets passed? Number one and two: Do do the Republicans keep the House and do they keep the Senate uh, in November? So I'm from Nevada, right? Let's see. We should probably put a line on that on the casinos. Uh, but l- let's go back to infrastructure. Yes, something will pass in infrastructure. Wow. What will it say? Now, here's the, the politician in me, Michael. Here's the politician. What will pass? Uh, that I can't tell you today. But something will pass. They'll be able to say that they pass some substantial changes in infrastructure. Uh, Paul Ryan will be able to, and, and the Republican leadership will be able to navigate something past Senator Schumer and Congressman Pelosi. They yes. will be, yes. But again, uh, my political answer is that, that maybe it may not be a, a, a broad uh, stroke of infrastructure, but something will, they have to do something. Yes, something will pass. Okay. Okay. So that's next on the table. Now, House and Senate, they stay Republican in November? Mr. Leffingwell, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I, I believe that uh, I actually – I'm probably one of the few, but I believe that the Republicans will retain the House. And I'll, I say that because there are just so many the, – the, the, uh, the gap between the Democrats and Republicans and so our, our advantage is just too large at this time. And you're still seeing a lot of Democrat retirements as well as Republican retirements, and there's a lot of money – that has to go to each and one of these retirements or you know resignations if there are more to come of those. On the Senate, I just think it's I think it's a crapshoot right now. I think you have you still right now you have a small uh, margin in the House. I mean in the Senate, and you know with a with a Democrat victory, a rare Democrat victory in Alabama. Who knows? Um, I think you know you have a lot of you know people like Bob Corker and uh, other folks uh, that. You know, we're going to see if the Steve Bannon effect is is still going to produce a lot. You know, some poor quality uh, replacements for those uh, Republican uh, senators retiring at this time. Yeah. So, all right. So, so with all let's, due let's... respect to to with all due respect to uh, our great analyst Leffingwell, um, who uh, who's got his uh, most popular song uh, in Russia right now <laughs> is Leffingwell was wrong about this last bill. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're giving him a second chance here. Giving him a second chance. We're gonna watch for November and see if the Republicans hold the House and the Senate. But uh, we still need to hear from Congressman Porter. So here's my perspective. Uh, until there's a redistricting, reapportionment, which you know they do the census every ten years, uh, then uh, members of the state legislature and or their committees are uh, that are set up in those states, you know, draw the boundaries for the House races. I really think that the Republicans will maintain the majority in the House of Representatives because the boundaries are such right now that it, it would provide from a, a certain sense of security uh, for some members of Congress. Now, also, you'll find that partisan, whether you're Democrat or Republican, you're more likely to stick with your your member, whether, you're again, you're, you're D or an R. But I think I, I would agree with, with Matt, uh, especially uh, until there's redistricting and reapportionment uh, after the next census. In All right. So if you're listening to the forecast and you always should be listening to the forecast, pass it along to a friend, share the forecast with your friends and in, in the social media, put us up on your Facebook page. But look, think about what you've learned from Kenny Polcari tonight, what you've learned from Matt Leffingwell and from Congressman John Porter about what's going on in Washington, how it's all working out. Just then a couple of quick human interest questions, if I may, Congressman, and we've got to sign off here. But 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 I know that our listeners always you have an insider's view that most Americans don't. Tell us what it's like to be a congressman when you show up on Capitol Hill. Tell us what you didn't know, what you didn't expect. Uh, uh, what were the surprises and what did you have to do that most people don't know you had to do to be a congressman in the United States? Well, you have to become an expert overnight on everything from world peace to education to transportation. And what that means is you have to find and hire good people to, to help you. Because, again, the founding fathers created this Congress and the, the Senate, they're citizens. So there's a gr- cross-section. So 
We would say it's like learning with a fire hose. You'd show up, and all of a sudden, you, you're an expert. But also, you find out you're, the people that support you all, immediately don't like you the first day you're elected. So that's uh, something to consider. But I, I will tell you that, uh, uh, Michael, you, you know, we have a lot of blemishes. We have problems in the U.S., uh, we could sit here and complain. But let me tell you, we live in the greatest nation in the world. There's a lot of good people. And in spite of the, our problems, uh, the system is set up for a citizen legislature, for a Supreme Court, you know, for the executive branch. I'm, I'm confident we've weathered storms, and I, th- I think I believe more than ever we're going to weather this, and, and we're going to become stronger. Congressman, with, I, I could not uh, – I, I, I love your positivity uh, and your patriotism, of course. So – would you tell me tell me what you're going you would you would advise the high school student the college student now knowing what you know having served as a mayor having served as three terms uh, as a US, United States congressman would you tell those kids to go to Capitol Hill and do it would you tell your own child or grandchild that they should go to Washington and and be a member of Congress well first my kids know better so I didn't have to give them that <laughs> advice either way uh, love Chris and Nicole they they grew up in this for almost 30 years uh, I, I I would encourage uh, leadership in in whether it's a high school or grade school but I think that the key is that they understand uh, more of the facts than a lot of people think they do uh, I think if you be, if you come into this with an understanding because it's more difficult today than ever to get the facts but I do believe good people, solid people, solid leadership. Yes, there there is a there is a need. Selfishly, yes, we need these young folks to to be a part of office. I would just encourage them to listen to your your podcast uh, to get the facts. Absolutely. Well, Congressman, thank you very much. I wish you would run again because you know after you encourage people to vote for the forecast. I'll vote for you. Hell, I'll vote for anybody who encourages people to vote for the, listen to the FARC. I, 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 that's not entirely. Well, yeah, it sort of is. Uh, Congressman John Porter, thank you so much for being with us, for sharing your experience and your wisdom and your insight and your love for this country uh, on the Farcast. Matt Leffingwell, thank you for being again uh, our wonderful political analyst again this week. We've got the top 10 coming up for you next week. Please remember, if you think you've heard us recommend any purchase or sale of any security at all, we haven't. Past performance is no indication of future results. Please uh, thank you for being with us. We're getting great feedback. Tell your friends to listen in. We're on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. If you have any kind of a computer or smart device, you can listen. If you want to email us at producer at the Farcast. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, we thank you so much for joining us. We wish you a blessed holiday season of happiness uh, for you and health uh, for your families and friends and a wonderful, prosperous, positive, and healthy 2018. We will talk again uh, then in 2018 and help sort through all of the noise of Wall Street and Washington to get you smarter and in a better place to get through the rest of the year. Thank you so much for joining us in Washington, D.C. I'm Michael Farr. <laughs>